Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Bracing for winter's worst. Just close my eyes and hope it's gone. Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. We've been talking about it for days because the generational storm heading our way is that big. How big? CBS's Jared Hill. The National Weather Service said the storm is so big, nearly 190 million people are under some type of winter weather advisory. And it's going to be cold. Just how cold? 20 below zero isn't only cold, it's extremely dangerous. Lauren. Rodriguez, public safety official in Indiana. 1,500 flight cancellations in the U.S. so far today, and already several hundred canceled for tomorrow. Many have bailed early, even these folks who cut short their Jamaican vacation. Sounds good to get stuck in Jamaica, <laughs> but whatever plans we have, we want them to be our plans, not the weather's plans or the airport's plans. A lot of folks getting out of Dodge while they're getting good. The airlines tell us they've seen a noticeable increase in people taking advantage of those changes waivers to move their flights without a fee. They say the good news there is fewer people will be impacted as cancellations occur Thursday and Friday. CBS's Chris Van Cleve flying, driving, or even staying put. Rebecca Strainer with the Pennsylvania Emergency Management Agency says the time to prepare is now. This definitely is, is a serious moment and, and I just beg everybody to be prepared. Those thoughts echoed by New York Governor Kathy Hochul. The worst is coming Friday. Do your shopping today. Avoid the roads. If you're going to see family, tell them you're coming a day early. As for exactly what you'll be getting, it depends on where you are, of course. Much of western New York is under a blizzard warning, and for some lakeshore dwellers, snow won't be the only problem. Veteran forecaster Tom Nizzle says winds whipping straight down Lake Erie spell trouble. It's going to cause something called a seiche, a wind-driven change in the water, like sloshing in a bathtub, and it's going to push all that water from the Toledo end on the west end to the Buffalo end. Toledo's lake level is actually going to drop about five feet, while in Buffalo, the lake level is going to go up probably a little over 10 feet. Nizzle on Fox Weather Channel, another threat for many areas, possible power outages. Hochul says an extra 2,000 utility workers are at the ready to affect any needed repairs. Well, one weather victim already, the Buffalo Sabres. Severe winter weather in Buffalo and across the country is causing the postponement and rescheduling of two Buffalo Sabres games. The NHL has announced that tomorrow's game between the Sabres and Tampa Bay Lightning at KeyBank Center has been postponed until March 4th at 12.30 p.m. The Sabres were originally scheduled to host the Philadelphia Flyers that day. That game will now be played on January 9th at 7 p.m. at KeyBank Center. D. Haley, Family Life News. Thanks, D. And the Buffalo Bills do in Chicago to play the Bears Saturday afternoon amid blowing snow, a high about 10, winds gusting to 30, creating a minus double digit wind chill. Football weather. Ukraine's president center stage before Congress last night. We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. Vladimir Zelensky drew several standing ovations as he thanked lawmakers for their support in his country's bid to repel a month-long Russian invasion. We stand, we fight, and we will win because we are united. Ukraine, America, and the entire free world. Another $2 billion in aid poised to be sent there 
though some congressional Republicans say bulk handouts are unwise. No more blank checks for Ukraine. We want to make sure where the money's spent, what's the strategy behind it. We're borrowing all the money. I'm all for helping. I just think we do too much at one time. All that amount of money is hard oversight. You can't keep up with it. We're just flushing money out and uh, we don't know where it's going. Meanwhile, back in Ukraine... The Russians may have fled Bucha, but their presence still haunts the town. Janeta Butenko has no water, no electricity, and no family. She says the Russians took everything from her, including her sense of humor. The 83-year-old adopted an abandoned dog named Charlie. Janeta melts snow and ice for them to drink, while food aid keeps them alive. What would life be like without this kind of assistance? There's no way I would survive. Correspondent Ian Lee. Now to another invasion, the one at the U.S. southern border. The already swamp border city of El Paso, Texas, is prepping for the possible end of Title 42 and a new flood of immigrants that would bring coursing into their city. By the end of the week, the city of El Paso plans to open up their convention center and two unused schools to be used as shelters for the migrants. And just in time, because temperatures here in El Paso are expected to dip into the low 20s this weekend. CBS's Omar Villafranca. Health news now. The triple demo still causing plenty of coughing, wheezing, and hacking all over America. Hospitals across the country are reporting a surge in flu, COVID, and RSV cases. My husband is actually at home right now with COVID. Christmas is canceled for him, and I will test with my daughter on Christmas Eve to make sure that we're safe to go to my parents. Dr. Sophie Jan in New York. We are up by 150% for sick visits compared to this time last year. We're up by 300% compared to this time two years ago. CBS's Cami McCormick. Fallen FTX leader Sam Bankman-Fried arrived at an airport in Westchester, New York last night after being extradited from the Bahamas. U.S. Attorney Damian Williams says the fallen crypto king's ex-girlfriend and business partner have already admitted to fraudulent activities. Both Ms. Ellison and Mr. Wong have pled guilty to those charges, and they are both cooperating with the Southern District of New York. He also issued this warning to others who might have engaged in wrongdoing there. If you participated in misconduct at FTX or Alameda, now is the time to get ahead of it. We are moving quickly and our patience is not eternal. Bankman-Fried could appear in U.S. District Court as soon as today. And watching Christmas movies, it's good for our mental health. That's according to psychotherapist Stacia Alexander, who says classics or modern holiday films release a stress hormone in the brain to help us feel relaxed and happy. Didn't need a scientist to tell me that. Dr. Alexander says movies with happy endings like The Grinch or Scrooge give rise to the idea that things in our own lives can turn out well, too. Indeed, they can. Still to come on the Noon Report, the steep cost of winter cleanup, legal pot sales about to get underway in New York State, and Wolf prepares to exit his den. Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. I'm Kevin Williams. Unfortunately, not a very merry weather pattern for travelers. We have a high-impact winter storm ahead. I'll be back with the details in the forecast, and I'll look for you in 10 minutes. All right, thank you very much, Kevin. Now, checking the stories making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania. As they brace for another wintry onslaught, Erie County, New York officials say the cost of cleanup efforts from the massive snowstorm that slammed the region back in November has surpassed $11 million. The storm ended up dropping several feet of snow between November 17th and the 20th. Five deaths reported across western New York. President Biden authorized a federal emergency declaration, but funding hasn't reached communities in the county just yet. That money could be used to help cover the costs of things like snow removal and plowing roads. Well, the timing couldn't be much worse in Rochester with an epic winter storm bearing down. An old water main burst last night, creating a water emergency on the city's west side. There's a lot of damage that is occurring. I hope they get it fixed because there's, there's flooding in apartments already. Richard Perrin with the Public Works Department says the mangled main was a golden oldie. It's critical to note that this is the original 36-inch 
trunk main line uh, that was installed in 1899. Schools are closed today in Rochester due to that water emergency, and there's a boil water advisory for the affected area as well. Now, if you don't want to find yourself in the same boat, Watson Town, Pennsylvania plumber Scott Regal has words of wisdom to keep your own pipes from freezing. Burn your thermostats up a few more degrees than what you're used to. Open your kitchen cabinet doors, vanity doors, let some heat into those hidden areas that might catch a freeze. And if your pipes do freeze anyway, never ever use an open flame to try to thaw them out. Many a winter house fire has started that way. Instead, break out the blow dryer and thaw them out gradually. Members of the New York State Legislature are going to be back at the Capitol today for a special session. Both the Assembly and Senate expected to vote on a measure that would increase their own salaries from the current $110,000 a year to $142,000 annually. There would also be limits placed on the amount of money that lawmakers can earn outside of their position as an elected official. If approved, the salary increase would go into effect January 1st. New York State will officially be in the drug dealing business with the first legal recreational marijuana sales starting next week. The State Cannabis Control Board announced that the first legal adult use cannabis sales in the state will start one week from today in Manhattan. The State Office of Cannabis Management chose the nonprofit Housing Works Cannabis Company, which provides services for people without housing as well as those living with HIV and AIDS in an effort to keep people affected by former drug laws at the helm of the industry. But many applicants are waiting on a federal lawsuit that halted licenses in half the state, and farmers and growers are getting worried that they won't be able to sell their products before they go bad. The Cannabis Control Board is expected to approve more applications next month. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. All right, Jeremy. As the year draws to a close, a dispute between Western New York's largest health plan and its second largest provider drags on at stake reimbursement rates for in-network providers, which can ultimately determine users, co-pays, and premiums. Highmark recently inked a new deal with Collida Health, and CHS struck a deal with Insurer Independent Health. But the Highmark-CHS talks, they drag on. Technically, that current pact expires at the end of the year, but after that, a state-mandated 60-day negotiating window kicks in. So that means no coverage interruptions, at least until the beginning of March. Negotiations in the Pennsylvania State House have failed to arrive at a solution on one to hold three special elections. The vote could decide a political majority in the governing body that was left in limbo when vacancies were created after after the November elections. They came about because two lawmakers were elected to higher office and one died. Republicans and Democrats remain at odds over when those special elections should take place. Drivers in Pennsylvania probably won't want to hear this one, but the price at the pump likely to be headed up once we hit 2023. The state gasoline tax assessed at the wholesale level will increase on January the 1st. Legislation which was signed into law during the Corbett administration mandates this increase to pay for road and bridge projects. This doesn't mean the taxes are automatically passed on to the consumer, but that's the expected outcome. PennDOT said the gas tax in Pennsylvania will be going up from just under 58 cents per gallon to more than 61 cents per gallon. This also affects the tax on diesel fuel, which will rise from more than 74 cents per gallon to 78.5 cents. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thank you, Terry. Governor Tom Wolf soon will vacate the post of governor after two terms. I ran to make education funding better, fairer, more adequate for Pennsylvania, and I think I've done that, and reduce the uninsured rate in Pennsylvania to its lowest ever. Wolf speaking with WENY about the impact of COVID shutdowns on businesses, including restaurants. We actually had plenty that went into the restaurant industry recognizing the challenges that they faced. Was it enough? I, I don't know. Josh Shapiro, another Democrat, will take the helm in January. I said, I, 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 I'm dreaming. 
strains of the Philadelphia Eagles offensive tackle Jordan Maialata who along with center Jason Kelsey and fellow O lineman Lane Johnson sing the leads on the suddenly famous Christmas album entitled A Philly Special Christmas with the players covering classic Christmas tunes and an album cover paying homage to Vince Guaraldi's Timeless Peanuts Christmas LP initial releases of vinyl versions of A Philly Special Christmas sold out in less than two minutes. One more batch goes on sale online tomorrow at 9am one catch though those won't be delivered until February. It's all for a good cause, though. Proceeds go to the Children's Crisis Treatment Center. And if you show up late tomorrow, like 9.03, or vinyl's just not your thing, fans will also be able to stream the album online beginning a week from tomorrow. Meanwhile, the 13-1 Eagles will try to play in harmony Saturday afternoon when they visit Dallas. And that, appropriately, brings us to a check of sports. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Mark, a couple of streaks ended last night at Madison Square Garden. The Toronto Raptors snapped a six-game losing skid while the Knicks' eight-straight game winning streak came to an end as well. Pascal Siakam was the main reason why both of those streaks are history. He threw down a career-high 52 points in the 113-106 victory. In Brooklyn, nine different Nets players scored in double figures, and they cruised over Golden State 143-113. The score at the half was 91-51. Ouch! Kevin Durant led the team with 23 points. The Philadelphia 76ers now have a six-game winning streak of their own after beating Detroit 113-93. Joel Embiid had 22 points and 10 boards in the win. Elsewhere, it was Cleveland 114, Milwaukee 106, Chicago 110, Atlanta 108, Indiana 117-112 over Boston, Orlando down Houston 116-110, Dallas 104, Minnesota 99. The Thunder got past Portland. 101 to 98. The Kings beat the Lakers 134 to 120, and the Clippers down the Hornets 126 105. Your winners on the ice last night Detroit, New Jersey, Colorado, Nashville, Edmonton, Minnesota, and Vegas. Baseball. The New York Yankees have named Aaron Judge as their team captain. Judge was stunned by the offer and said the first thing he did was hug and kiss his wife. And then he woke up his parents with a phone call saying, I've got something you want to hear. I think it'd be good to wake up. Judge becomes only the 16th player to be named Yankees team captain. He succeeds Derek Jeter. That is a look at sports. All right, thanks, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, bracing for a generational winter storm. Zelensky wows him at the Capitol and finding Christ in Christmas movies. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. The faithfulness that individual Christians demonstrate in their everyday lives makes a compelling case that the Christian worldview is both true and good. Colson Center's mission is to help Christians live faithfully to what is true and good, aligning both their personal convictions and their public lives with revealed truth. It is always a gift and a grace of God to hear from Christians who've been served and helped by a breakpoint commentary or some other Colson Center ministry. Because every square inch of reality was created by God and exists under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, every Christian is on the front lines. For example, Scott is the head of a Christian school in Cedar Park, Texas. The training he received in the Colson Fellows Program has dramatically impacted his work 
as an educator. Here's Scott. I think it's a real challenge right now to be a Christian institution and to hold to our principles and continue to stay true to what we're trying to achieve, our, our mission and purpose as educators. Nonprofit leaders are often resource constrained. We don't always have the time to go through professional development or to really focus on professional development. And the way the program was laid out seemed like a great opportunity for me to go deep, but at the same time be able to handle it and manage it with my other competing requirements. I'm so impressed by the curriculum that Colson is using that I would immediately recommend it to any educator. The content that we're getting through Colson are solid, well thought out, intellectual responses that are biblically aligned. And when we can present those to our families in a way that's digestible, that helps them deal with challenges they're facing or their children are facing, I think they're incredibly thankful for that. It's, it's really a privilege to provide that service to them. God has called Scott to this work at this time, a time that may be one of the greatest opportunities in recent memory for Christian education. Another follower of Christ who's on the front lines is Mitch. He's a pastor in Austin, Texas. Here's Mitch. Some of the challenges that came out of my pastoral ministry were, were born in the same challenges I had as a believer personally. How do I answer the cultural mandates of the day that are rooted not in biblical faith, but in secularism and just a desire for autonomy uh, in the individual? And I saw the outcomes in individual lives and family lives as the dis-ease of what's going on in culture affected the faith of the common believer and shipwrecked many of them. My three-year plan, my ministry plan as a Colson Fellow included, hey, I'm going to round up as many pastors as I can. I'm going I'm to get out my ministry lasso and, and bring these guys into a, a pastor's alignment with the Colson Fellows program. It was transformational for these guys. You could just see them. There's just this release of tension as they realize there are other sets of tools and perspectives other than what I've just been doing again and again, over and over again, wash, rinse, repeat of the same types of messaging with the same types of propositions. Nothing is more encouraging to me than to hear from followers of Christ who've been resourced, encouraged, and equipped by Breakpoint, the Colson Fellows Program, or the Upstream and Strong Women podcast. If any of these resources have also been helpful to you, would you email me and let me know? You can send me a note at info at colsoncenter.org. And please consider supporting the Colson Center with a year-end tax-deductible gift. You can give at colsoncenter.org slash December. That's colsoncenter.org slash December. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Casey Leander. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, please go to colsoncenter.org. For this afternoon, cloudy with areas of rain, sleet, and snow. A few inches could accumulate over the high ground of central Pennsylvania. High temperatures, 30s and low 40s. Becoming very windy tonight. The mix to rain showers. Temperatures will rise early, then begin tumbling late for some. And then for tomorrow, that's the high impact day. A flash freeze and strong winds. Rain followed by snow with accumulations blowing snow. Temperatures could start the day above 40, but will tumble toward 10. Wind chills later in the day could reach to minus 25. Blizzard conditions with heavy lake snows and 
localized areas east and northeast of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario from tomorrow night through Christmas Eve. Outside of the lake belts on Saturday, it's blustering cold with clouds, sun and flurries, and high temperatures in the teens. Uh, very daunting forecast. Thank you very much, Kevin Williams. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. Thank you again for joining us. Recapping the top stories, weather's right up there. What's the worst thing about it? Ah, the cleanup. Yeah, blizzard warnings and other weather advisories in effect for much of the listening area for the massive winter storm headed here tomorrow and lingering through the weekend. This fierce winter storm is causing four seasons worth of weather. Nearly three quarters of the country are under some kind of an alert. WCBS meteorologist Craig Allen, our own meteorologist Kevin Williams, who we just heard from, is tracking it all. The high impact storm is going to greatly impact travel conditions in our area and across the Northeast and Great Lakes in the coming days. We'll get Kevin's extended uh, forecast for you in just a few minutes. The storm's already producing a travel nightmare for flyers and drivers. It's going to be something. That's why I changed my flight to leave a day early. We're glad we're getting out today. Of course, not everyone's travel plans take them away from the storm. We're heading in the wrong direction, though. We head right into the storm, so we'll see what happens. Good luck with that. If you're hitting the road, the mantra is do it sooner, not later, and make sure your car is stocked up just in case. If something happened... I'm stuck in my car. Do want to have blankets, water, hand warmer? Kitty litter's a good one, too. Good advice there. Elsewhere today, Volodymyr Zelensky, a hit on Capitol Hill last night. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security. Lawmakers gave numerous standing ovations to Ukraine's president as he urged them to keep the funds coming for his country's efforts to repel Russia's invasion. We stand, we fight, and we will win because we are united. Ukraine, America, and the entire free world. However, Kevin McCarthy and other congressional Republicans say it's time for the blank checks to Ukraine to stop, calling for better accounting of exactly how those billions are truly being spent. And Zelensky's trip to D.C., it was the stuff of Tom Clancy novels. The U.K. Daily Mail reports the Ukrainian president was escorted in an armada of NATO spy planes and fighter jets and flown to Joint Base Andrews near Washington before he then went on to deliver that historic speech before Congress. Well, next we go to Israel. Bibi is back. A smiling Netanyahu called Israel's president just minutes before the deadline to form a government expired. <laughs> Netanyahu has agreements with several hardline and ultra-Orthodox parties to join his government in exchange for senior ministerial posts. That includes the controversial Itamar Ben-Gvir, who will become Minister of Public Security. Netanyahu, who's Israel's longest-serving prime minister, is also on trial for corruption, although he denies all charges. Linda Gradstein for CBS News, Jerusalem. Right, back to the U.S. Leaders in El Paso, Texas, working around the clock to provide temporary housing for thousands of migrants as the status of Title 42 remains up in the air. Officials announced the El Paso Convention Center is now going to be used to house people that are seeking asylum. That news comes as temperatures are expected to plummet there over the next several nights. And many Christmas movies... You kind of miss out on the message of Christ. One exception would be a Charlie Brown Christmas, which, as everybody knows, it has this beautiful uh, rendition of the actual Christmas story right in the middle of it. Yet even in other films, Plugged In's Paul Acey says we can catch a glimpse of God's fingerprints. So many of these stories talk about forgiveness. 
They talk about the ability to change, the ability to show grace to people who might not deserve it. AC notes many families connect through film, including his own. We sit together pretty much every year and we watch It's a Wonderful Life, which we just love. Well, in the words of George Bailey's dad, all you can take with you is that which you've given away. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Next up at noon, focus on the families Jeff Johnston reflects on the changes the Biden administration has made to Title IX. Title IX was originally designed to stop sex-based discrimination. It banned discrimination on the basis of sex, which at that point everybody knew meant being male or female. And women and girls made serious progress in sports, in education, in going on to higher education. And it really made a difference for how women and girls participated in the education process. But now the Department of Education wants to redefine sex in Title IX to include sexual orientation, gender identity, and they also have added pregnancy or pregnancy-related conditions, which is kind of an interesting little twist. Hmm. For the left, pregnancy-related conditions includes abortion. So it could possibly mean that schools would have to teach children about abortion or maybe even provide them with access to abortion or with resources like point them towards Planned Parenthood. If they don't do that, that could be considered sex discrimination under this redefinition. So it's a really radical redefinition of what sex, being male or female, really means. Wow. And it wouldn't surprise me if that was the direction they go in. I know that this was mentioned and there was even a period for the public to comment earlier in the summer. Do you know when the new policies take effect? Well, this started on the first day of Biden's administration. He signed an executive order telling every single federal agency to include sexual orientation and gender identity in their non-discrimination policies. So we've been seeing this across every federal agency from Health and Human Services to now the Department of Education. So in June, the Biden administration released another executive order, basically doubling down on the first one. And it was earlier this year that the Department of Education said, okay, we're going to redefine sex to mean this. And then they have to go into a comment period. Well, there were hundreds of thousands of people who commented mostly against the redefinition of sex. A lot of conservative and Christian organizations worked together. They were able to rally the troops and hundreds of thousands of people responded. So by law, the Department of Education has to respond to the questions that are asked and to the comments that are made. So this is kind of a lengthy process. And in effect, the Department of Education is basically making the law. They're creating law, which is not their job. That's Congress's job to do. And so this will probably bring about some lawsuits from state's attorney general, maybe from some school districts and some religious groups. It's going to be a long process, but they're definitely moving that direction. They want to push schools to teach about sexual orientation and gender identity and to include that in their non-discrimination policies. And if schools don't, they might be subject to lawsuits or they might lose federal funding. Yeah, and we saw it tied with the start of school to milk funding or lunch funding. Yeah, that was through the Department of Agriculture, oddly enough, because they fund school breakfasts and school lunches. 
and they were tying that funding to schools having policies in place that protect sexual orientation and gender identity. So that was one push from that agency. Now we're getting a second push from the Department of Education. And this will have a radical effect on a a lot of different areas of education. First of all, schools would be forced to teach about LGBT issues. They'd be forced to teach kindergartners about sexual orientation and gender identity. There are some states where that's already the case, but this would be a national push to have that. Girls would have to share their private spaces, restrooms, showers, and locker rooms with boys who claim to be girls. And then women's sports would also be intruded upon as boys who claim to be girls. The schools would have to let those boys onto the team. That's what this Department of Education mandate would mean. I keep seeing the stories about the teacher shortages, and I think, is this how education is going to change in our nation? Is there going to be a ramping up of Christian schools because people just don't want their kid to be in the public school with this just because they don't feel that they're safe? How can we be proactive in the midst of all of this, Jeff? We can pray that God will stop this. And then, as you mentioned, a lot of parents are moving towards other ways of educating their children besides public schools. We saw this already with COVID. There was a huge increase in homeschooling and in applications to Christian schools and charter schools and private schools. Now, the Department of Education will try to put this on those schools as well. So parents need to be aware that even if their kids are in a private school or a Christian school, the DOE will still be pushing these policies. So that's another thing that parents and grandparents, too, uh, can do is be aware of what's happening in your own child's school. We're seeing all kinds of sexual issues being pushed on children through comprehensive sex ed, through social studies lessons that teach about LGBT-identified people, through books in classrooms and libraries. So it's really, really important for parents to be aware of what's happening. And then also parents and grandparents and Sunday school teachers, we need to give our children a solid foundation of God's design for sexuality. We know from the Bible that God made two sexes, male and female, and they were made to complement each other and to work together. And we don't just know that from the Bible. We know that from science, too. Humans are sexually dimorphic. We come in two different kinds, male and female, and individuals are one or the other. And so we can give our children a very solid base, a solid foundation where they understand what science says and God's good design. And then when they encounter these issues, because they will, they won't be caught off track by them. We need to teach them what marriage is, that God designed marriage to be between a husband and wife, and that that's the best place to raise children. The church needs to be part of training children to have a solid foundation on these issues. That's Focus on the Family's Jeff Johnston speaking with Family Life's Tracy Lynn. You can catch up on each of the Family Life news features at familylife.org slash podcasts. Just ahead, a man who brings new meaning to the term blood draw. A high-impact storm is going to greatly impact travel conditions in our area and across the Northeast and Great Lakes in the coming days. For this afternoon, cloudy with areas of rain, sleet, and snow. A few inches could accumulate over the high ground of central Pennsylvania. High temperatures, 30s and low 40s, becoming very windy tonight. The mix to rain showers. Temperatures will rise early, then begin tumbling late for some. And then for tomorrow, that's the high-impact day. A flash freeze and strong winds. Rain followed by snow with accumulations blowing snow. 
temperatures could start the day above 40, but will tumble toward 10. Wind chills later in the day could reach to minus 25. Blizzard conditions with heavy lake snows in localized areas east and northeast of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario from tomorrow night through Christmas Eve. Outside of the lake belts on Saturday, it's blustering cold with clouds, sun and flurries, and high temperatures in the teens. Now you know why they've been calling it a generational storm. Thank you very much, Kevin Williams. Finally at noon, Philippine artist Alito Circa has blood on his hands. Literally, but only to do art with. Using blood taken from his own veins, the 52-year-old produces canvas paintings that have drawn both praise and criticism because of his very unusual choice of paint. Born in a low-income household with little access to usual art materials, Circa explored many alternatives, including plums and tomatoes, but it was when he scraped himself as a young boy that his fascination with painting in blood began. Says Circa, every time I got scraped, I'd use my own blood since bloodstains are hard to remove. Now he goes to the town health clinic every three months to have 17 ounces of blood drawn, which he stores in a studio cooler for future projects. Well, you'd think he'd at least stick to smaller paintings given the circumstances, but no, he recently bled his way through a four-by-eight work depicting the history of his hometown. Now he set his sights on an even more ambitious project, creating the world's largest ever blood painting on a 328-foot canvas. That'd be a world record. I just hope he survives to see it. That's the world we live in for Thursday, the 22nd of December, 2022. As always, thank you very much for listening. Have a very blessed Christmas. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.